You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I want to start with what I think is probably the biggest, it's not really news, but the biggest speculation of the day. Um, I had talked about it recently when we talked about David Bakhtiari, not really knowing what the heck was going to go on. And I had kind of mentioned in passing, potentially he could retire. That is an option. Like if he knows that this is it, um, you know, his, his knee is taking a beating. He may want to take some time on himself, all that stuff. Matt LaFleur, um, as you may or may not have heard, uh, was asked about David Bakhtiari, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, I'll let Dave comment on that. Um, I know he wanted to talk to you guys later on, so I'll let him talk about his, his timeline. So again, I, I tend to read maybe a little bit too much into things. That's probably not even necessarily the right way to say it, but um, I like to try to figure out what the heck things mean. Let's say he's not retiring. What does that mean that he just said? I'll let Dave talk to you. He, he wants to talk to you. So David Bakhtiari wants to speak to the media. That by itself is really unusual. Has David Bakhtiari or anybody else ever said, or have we ever heard from a coach, this guy wants to speak to you? Has anybody requested a press conference? I don't remember any instance in which that's the case. Secondly, why would David Bakhtiari even know his timeline, much less why would he be the one giving us the timeline? Isn't that the training staff that would give us the timeline? He shouldn't know what his timeline is. And if he does, again, the coach would tell us, or he would say something to the effect of, you know, we're still working through it, etc., etc. The fact that David Bakhtiari, and he, he, he doesn't... He says he wants to talk to you about his timeline. It really sounds to me like David Bakhtiari is going to hang it up. That's what it sounds like to me. And again, this whole thing with Bakhtiari has been weird all year. It's been really weird, like Matt LaFleur being really upset and sensitive about this issue and the injury kind of being a weird thing where it's suddenly like massively severe and it's just, it's very strange. But if we really just play out the timeline, what it seems like to me is he really, really, really jacked up his knee in 2020, I think it was. Like, bad. And then, you know, we, we remember 2021, he was supposed to come back maybe like mid-season-ish. There was some talk, like, he was hopping, skipping through training camp before we even got into the regular season. Maybe be week one, and then I was like, no, that's crazy, you can't be week one. It'll be like weeks four, five, six, something, I don't know. And then he didn't come back week one. He didn't come back, like, a little bit early. He didn't come back on time. And then he just wasn't coming back. It's like, what the heck is going on? We come to find out that it just kept swelling. And it was swelling, and they couldn't get the swelling down. They kept draining his knee. Like, what the heck? And so then they tried it out in the Lions game prior to the playoffs, and it just went, just blew up. And so they had to drain his knee, and it was a whole thing. They're like, no, he can't play now. He can't play in the playoffs. We get knocked out of the playoffs. Not necessarily blame. I'm not blaming him at all. I'm just saying that was the series of events. So he has to go get another surgery, because the first surgery just isn't working and he keeps feeling with fluid and all this stuff. So they get another surgery and seemingly everything was okay. He missed some time. 
right? Because he had to recover from that surgery. He came back. He still missed a little bit of time, but he played most of that stretch in there. He played. He played well. He missed some time, but most guys miss time. Everybody misses a little bit of time. You miss a game here or there. It's not a big deal. Um, and then this year, it's just, it's like, it, it, you just get the impression that it never really healed. Or something, there, there's some damage that is just not going to get better. And he really tried, and he really worked hard to get back, and it just seems to me like it's just not going to be a thing. And now we hear Matt LaFleur say he wants to talk to you guys about his timeline. Again, I don't mean to overreact, but I have no idea what in the world that could mean other than he is going to announce he's retiring. So, there's nothing official. We'll see. Apparently, Bakhtiari wants to speak at some point. I'm, I'm guessing it probably won't be for a while, which, again, is going to be somewhat frustrating, just like with the injury thing. You're never going to really know. I'm guessing if you're announcing a retirement, it's gonna you're, you're not going to want to just do that on a whim. I mean, maybe. I don't know. But, um, you know, this is something you kind of plan for. Or maybe you want to wait. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, you could wait till the end of the year, for all I know. Um, and that could have been what Matt LaFleur meant in terms of, like, he wants to speak to you about that at some point, meaning he's going to announce his retirement after the season, and for now, he's just out. And the team is just not telling us that, you know. So, you know, again, we, we get no clarity on the Bakhtiari thing, but I, I at this point, I don't expect him back this year. Um, and we already didn't expect him back next year. So, um, you know, I mean, I at this point, it's unfortunate that it ended the way that it did. One of the best offensive linemen I think this team has probably ever had. Incredible that we got him in the fourth round, I think it was. Um, just a great story, great dude, great teammate. Um, somewhat of an unfortunate end, I suppose, but you know he's, he's had a good career, and um, hopefully he gets to take care of his body a little bit. Like I mentioned in the other podcast, get a little bit of weight off his body, a little bit of weight off his knee. Go hang out in New York with your boy and uh, just live it up, I guess, you know. Could be worse things in life, I suppose. And that's assuming any of this is true. I'm just saying. Who knows, maybe he's requesting a trade. We can, we can go down all kinds of rabbit holes. Since we're making stuff up, might as well make stuff up for real. But anyways, that is what it is. So we got to kind of keep our eyes open on that. And don't even ask me about free agents because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I took a quick peek. Uh, it's mostly really old over-the-hill guys or, you know, young guys that are either... 100% going to get contracts, or you don't really want them anyways. And with that said, Matt, uh, Brian Gutekunst is probably going to find a uh, guy with relatively bad grades that's going to come here and have good grades, because that's what he does. But anyways, it is what it is. It is officially um, Rasheed Walker season, I suppose. So, I mean, he's got a real opportunity here to kind of prove himself. And, and just like everybody else, man, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it saying, I, I think we can do better than Rasheed. I think we can probably do better than a lot of the guys on the offensive line, but I don't want to. Like, I want them to prove that they can do it. So I'm really hoping they can step up as a unit and uh, change the perception that we need to change anything. If we can put more resources into some other positions, heck yeah, man. If it's like we're good, we don't need it, great. But, um, you know, we just need the rest of the guys to stay healthy and for Elton to get back healthy. We'll see where it goes from there, I guess. The priority remains the priority, you know, and that's protect the quarterback. And that's what we got to do. So figure it out, man. We'll figure it out. Me, you, and Goot, man. We're going to figure this thing out. By the way, um, I think I may have addressed this already when I talked about it last time, but 
This is from Ken Ingalls about this particular question. He says, getting questions on David Bakhtiari's cap situation if he retires. I'm doubtful, he says. Look, there's $38.87 million of dead cap on his contract. Zero dollars of this goes away with retirement unless the Packers go after his money, which I'm doubtful of. Retirement is no easy button. It all still hits. So, yeah, we... we and this is what I said before, where the money's already been paid. There's the, the money's in his pocket. Once you pay it, you have to account for it. And like you said, the only way that you can get that back is if they go after him, basically like sue David Bakhtiari or whatever. I don't know what the process would be called, if it's suing or whatever, but they would have to appeal in some way and say, look, you uh, didn't fulfill your contract. We want some of this money back. And, and, and again, that seems doubtful and and i as i said i don't even know what the process for that would be and i'm guessing it's not worth even knowing because they're not going to do that so it wouldn't be like oh he retired now you know that cap hit goes away no it doesn't the only thing that would go away is the the salary the money that is yet to be paid is the only thing that would go away because you're not going to pay him for not being there obviously so i would guess the remainder of his salary this year would go away if he i mean if he retired now which is why it's more likely he would retire after the season so then the only thing that would go away would be his um, salary for next year. And again, that was never going to be paid to him anyways, because we weren't going to bring him back, I don't believe. But anywho, um, picking up where I left off on yesterday, I wasn't able to finish, unfortunately. I apologize for um, not getting you that podcast. Stuff happens. I want to run through um, the games that happened and kind of where that leaves us real quick. The Atlanta Falcons fell to Jacksonville, which as far as the NFC race thing is concerned, that's good news for us. As far as our comfort level with the fact that Atlanta made us look, or the fact that we made Atlanta look like a competitor, not great. The Falcons have scored 13 points in their last two games. Now granted, they were at home their first two games and scored uh, 24 and 25. That was against the Panthers and the Packers. Then they went on the road and scored six and seven. Maybe they are just horrific on the road, but that sucks. But the other thing that kind of sucks is the fact that there is a noticeable difference here between what happened in his last two games and what happened against us. Let me give you a very good example. If you're facing a team that has really no good quarterback um, and is unlikely to throw the ball deep, what, what are you more likely to do? You kind of load up up front, right? You take away the easy stuff. You take away the run game. You take away the screen passes, and you dare them to throw deep. Now, that's not the way Joe Barry likes to play, but that's the way you need to play against a team like this, which, let's be very clear, that is your job as a coach. Your job as a coach... Listen, any moron can understand the basic concepts or, or a basic concept or idea, like a broad picture idea, something along the lines of take away the deep shots, and then just call the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, regardless of, of circumstances. I could do that. I don't know anything about being a defensive coordinator, and I can do that. A coach not only tailors the scheme to his players and, and adapts it so that it's not just the same as what such and such ran over there with a bunch of bad players or over here with a team that had really good safeties but not really good you know, linebackers or whatever, you know, you have to tailor it to what you have, but also tailors it to the specific opponent. Bijan Robinson is the biggest threat. In week four, Bijan Robinson saw one, two, three, four, the fifth most eight-man boxes at 42.86%. Let's call it 43%. 
In week three against Detroit, it was 40%. So 40%, 43%. That's how often there was an eight-man box. In week two against the Green Bay Packers, it was 21%. It was about half. 80% of the time, we did not have an eight-man box. And in week one, they also... Let's see, I think it was, it was 20% of the time. So the first two weeks, for whatever reason, the Carolina Panthers and Green Bay Packers decided to give B. John Robinson a light box to play in nickel all day against a team with a pretty bad quarterback and an electrifying running back. Now, you could say, well, that you know, week one, they didn't really know, da-da-da, whatever. But then Joe Barry in week two, with the benefit of hindsight, I mean, that, that includes last year, but also this year, you got to look at Bijan breaking ankles and everything else against Carolina Panthers. We did the exact same thing. We upped it by 1% to 21%. Those two teams gave up over 20 points. The next two weeks, the Lions and Jaguars, not exactly elite football teams. Remember, last year, they ranked 28th in points and 32nd in yards, and their run defense was 30th. They gave up 44 rushing yards. We gave up 211. Shouldn't have happened. Bottom line, we should not have given up 25 points to that team. Period. But we did, and had we pre prevented just two more points, we obviously win that game, and we are 3-1 and one after that Lions game. But anyways, uh, yeah, the Falcons suck. They got whooped by Jacksonville 23-7. to seven. Buffalo did beat Miami. And uh, Buffalo did score more points than I had uh, anticipated, but I mean, I did have it 35 to 23, which even I was a little surprised, and I thought people would be kind of surprised by that, but that's, I mean, it was 48 to 20. So again, that Buffalo defense is, is strong. It really is. Minnesota finally got their win over Carolina. As I mentioned, I was not massively impressed by that. The fact that it was largely their defense that got them a win over maybe the worst team in football, a game that was very close all the way down to the end, it's just not great. I mean, it doesn't speak very highly for their ability to dominate anything. I mean, just the fact that they were four-point favorites in this game to begin with was kind of shocking to me. And they did, I mean, blow the four points out, uh, you know, out of the water, sort of. They won by eight. But it just, it just didn't sit right. I mean, your offense can only score 21 points against the Carolina Panthers. Come on, man. And that defense is not going to be winning you a lot of games outside of stopping Carolina. My goodness. And didn't their defense score a point? I thought they both had turnover for a touchdown. I got to check that real quick, because if that's the case and they only scored 14, then that's even worse. Yeah. DJ Wonham, 51-yard fumble return. So there were two Justin Jefferson touchdowns, and that's it. 14 points is all their offense scored against the Carolina Panthers. 14 points. That's kind of shocking. Maybe their defense is good. I don't know. Seems unlikely, but maybe. But that's not super great. By the way, uh, one of the more embarrassing things, aside from the Chicago Bears organization as a whole, but one of the more embarrassing things I saw, Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson issues a warning after NF, uh, to the NFL after a two-touchdown game. Ooh, a two-touchdown game. Wow. That's some, that's some impressive stuff. Forget that Christian McCaffrey guy and his four touchdowns. He got two touchdowns in a whole game. <laughs> Article says, The Minnesota Vikings have some swagger back after capturing a must-win game in Carolina. Ooh. An all-pro all wide receiver Justin Jefferson is leading the way. Well, duh. 
The Vikings avoided an 0-4 start. The wideout, uh, the wideout hauled in two touchdowns on an afternoon, one of which came over Panthers cornerback Deshaun Jameson. Dang, just the Deshaun Jameson? That's crazy. He's so good, I never even heard of the guy. Literally, never heard of Deshaun. I gotta look him up. Who the heck is Deshaun Jameson? And why is he covering? <laughs> Justin Jefferson. Following the score, Jefferson diverted from the traditional gritty celebration and opted for the more widespread too small gesture, which is particularly popular among NF, uh, NBA players. I don't know what that is. Following the game, the receiver said his celebration should serve as a message to the entire NFL. Look out, Deshaun Jamison's in the, of the world. We might actually get a touchdown at the end of the third quarter. So Deshaun Jamison is a 5'10", 186-pound, 2023 undrafted free agent. He's playing in his first game ever. He did play four snaps against Seattle, but this was his first game ever against the Minnesota Vikings. So, yeah, that's freaking great. You scored how many points in this game? 14? By the way, by the way, Deshaun Jameson's stats in this game, six targets, four receptions for 65 yards, and two touchdowns given up. Both touchdowns were against rookie undrafted free agent Deshaun Jameson. Bro, you should have had eight touchdowns in this game. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We're probably going to get beat by the Vikings, but it, I can't not laugh at that. This is, this is the most embarrassing thing to flex about ever. You got two whole touchdowns. Oh, wow. Here's the quote. I mean, that's a message to the league, Jefferson told Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. I'll go out there to show that it doesn't matter who's out there to stiff me. Yeah, it could be anybody, even Deshaun Jameson. I'm going to make a play. I'm going to make a catch. I'm going to do whatever it takes for my team to win. Listen, Justin Jefferson is a great wide receiver. This is a freaking embarrassment. Bro, you scored 14, your team scored 14 points against the Carolina Panthers, and your two touchdowns came against a rookie undrafted free agent in his first game ever at 5'10", 186. You got two whole touchdowns, and you're going to flex on the league like you did something big? Dude, nobody gives a crap about two touchdowns. Romeo Dobbs got two touchdowns in week one. He didn't make some big statement about, oh yeah, flexing on the league, man. I'll do that against anybody. Better watch out. I got two whole touchdowns. Woo! stupid man so yeah i will reiterate this is the least impressed with the vikings i've been in a very long time they really really need to step it up and kirk cousins needs to stop turning the freaking ball over the team in general needs to stop turning the ball over they really look like they've just lost it like you can't keep doing that i don't know what it is with these freaking turnovers but you gotta stop that and you can't be one in three after scoring two touchdowns against a rookie undrafted free agent and then start flexing like you freaking did anything in this league it's an embarrassment. You're way behind the eight ball. You just dragged yourself out of fourth place with the Chicago Bears, who are one of the worst teams that we've seen in the NFL in a very long time. Now is not the time to talk about anything. I mean, the Packers can't even brag, and they're better than you right now. There's nothing for Green Bay to brag about. And they're second. You're third. Shut up. You suck. Act like it. You can start bragging when you do something. It's the most embarrassing brag in the world. Putting the league on notice because you got your first win after you got two whole touchdowns? There's a massive, massive lack of awareness on that part, on your part on that. That's crazy.
Anyways, let's take a break. We'll rip through a couple more of these. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, we got Denver beating Chicago 31-28. to um, Look, in all seriousness, as fantastic as that was, did a whole laughing at the enemy segment on it and whatnot, Fields did actually have a good day. And I couldn't be happier for two reasons. Number one, not that I want Fields to completely turn his career around, but I desperately want, first of all, for them to win some games, which if he continues to play like that, they're going to win some games, which is great. Win enough games to stay away from the quarterback. Number two, I don't want them aggressively chasing a quarterback. I mean, they may get it anyways with the freaking Carolina Panthers, who looks like they picked the wrong freaking quarterback anyways. Why couldn't you have taken C.J. Stroud, you bunch of idiots? If you would have just taken Stroud, who seems to be on a really good path right now, maybe you'd be winning some football games, and the Bears wouldn't be destined for the number one pick and the number two pick. But I want the Bears to win a couple games, and I need fields to look like maybe he's kind of turning a corner give them i mean a a four touchdown performance and you know what the fan base is starting to believe and i find that to be a good thing not that the fans are necessarily going to pick but if the fan base pulls behind fields i don't know i feel like there's a chance remember it's the mccaskies that run everything and who knows if they fire everybody they may bring somebody in and be i i don't i don't know i don't know i'm guessing if you bring in a gm he's gonna say listen we got the first pick i'm taking caleb or don't even bother freaking hiring me or Drake if Caleb stays or whatever, which, again, I doubt, but just talking here. And by the way, the, the whole thing where they're going to ruin him anyways, I just don't really buy it. I mean, it's possible a a, uh, a quarterback can flame out, especially in a bad situation. They certainly could flame out. Much harder to play quarterback in a bad situation. But I just I don't really buy the narrative that it's all the coaching staff. I mean, Justin Fields is not playing right, and we've seen it. The footwork, the the you know, not throwing on time, on rhythm, not going through your reads. That's not a 
That's not a coaching thing. That's a Justin Fields thing. I would love to believe that that was true, in which case I don't care. In fact, I hope they go get a quarterback because then we just don't have to worry about whoever they draft anyways. Heck, draft both of them, ruin both. Eh, that's not really nice to them, but still, you ruin both of them. We don't have to worry about them beating us at any, any you know, we don't have to worry about the Lions getting them. The Bears aren't going to do anything with them. The Vikings aren't going to. It's going to be great. But again, I just I just don't believe that that's necessarily the case. There may be some truth to it, but they're probably going to be f- hiring a new staff anyways. I don't want to risk it. Just win a couple games, all right? In fact, who the heck is in contention here? Good Lord, the only winless teams are the Bears and the Carolina Panthers. Freaking unbelievable. Yeah, they're going to hire a whole new staff. They're going to get Caleb Williams, and then they're going to get Marvin Harrison with the second pick. That's what they're going to do. I'm not going to handle it well, folks. But in the meantime, we get to laugh at the Bears. It's great. By the way, you may have seen on social media, I posted like however many millions of babies have been born since their last win. I'm going to continue doing that, by the way, because I think it's hilarious. But um, I did find this article as well. This is uh, NBC Sports Chicago staff wrote an article. How long has it been since the Bears won? A a look at a historic losing streak. The article says a little bit down, the Bears are not just 0-4 on the 2023 season, but they also lost their final 10 games of the 2022 campaign as well, with 14 of their last 15 games overall ending in a loss. The team's last victory came on October 24th, 2022, when they stunned the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football in Foxborough. According to Pro Football Reference, the 14-game losing streak is the longest in Bears history, and they also have their longest home losing streak ever, having dropped their last nine contests at Soldier Field. Thankfully, the Bears' longest losing streak is still a ways off from being equaled as they lost 16 consecutive games away from Chicago between 1976 and 1977. So this is like one of the worst times ever to be a Bears fan, which is another reason why it's stunning to me the support for Justin Fields, because I'm sorry, you cannot have an elite quarterback and also the worst Bears team in history. I know things are bad. I know it's not just him. There are other things that are horrible, probably including the coaching staff, which you all supported, you bunch of dummies. You loved everything. You loved the linebackers. You loved the offensive line picks. You loved the guard that you went and got, and you loved the, the tackle that you drafted. Not just the left one, but the right one. You loved your safeties. You love the corner picks. Well, you wanted, some of you wanted offensive help for Justin, but still, great, great corner pick, great safety pick. Remember, no excuses. We got DJ Moore. We fixed the offensive line. Remember all that crap? Darnell Mooney back from injury. This is the longest home game losing streak in Chicago Bears history. The longest losing streak in Chicago Bears history, period. So, Bears fans have been going to games and have been just flat out disappointed nine times in a row. In Soldier Field, dude. I can't imagine not having a home victory in the last nine games, in like a year. In fact, it's been over a year. It was September 25th when the Bears won at home against the Houston Texans, 23-20. to goes on to say, now comes the truly sobering bit of the experience. It has now been 344 days since the Bears last won a regular season game, but they have now gone 373 days without winning a home game, meaning that it has been over a year since they were triumphant at Soldier Field. The Bears will have an opportunity to snap the overall losing streak against the Washington Commanders. So, first of all, I doubt they win. So that's going to bring them closer to their, you know, it's going to extend the losing streak overall, but bring them even closer to their, their away losing streak. But the other thing is, even if they win, they still don't have an opportunity to snap their home losing streak. 
They come home and face the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I'm very down on Minnesota, but for the love of all things, if they don't put up 30 points on Minnesota, on Chicago, who's giving up? Let's let's look at this right now. They have given up 38, 27, 41, and 31. Tampa Bay scored 27. That was the lowest they've given up. 31 to the Broncos, 38 to the Packers, and 41 to the Chiefs. Minnesota, I swear, if you can't get to 30, I don't care what my freaking model says you're going to score. I don't care if it says it's going to be 24 to 21. I don't care. I'm telling you. You need 30 just to make a statement. We don't suck. 30 points. 30.0. Minimum. Then they play the Raiders. Probably their first actual opportunity to beat, to, to snap this home losing streak. At least I hope so, because we're facing the Raiders soon, and I hope they suck that much. Raiders are 1-3, going down a, a, a spiral right now. We'll, we'll get into that. By the way, before we move off the Bears entirely, there's one more little article here from the Chicago Sun-Times I wanted to touch on. Bronco Sean Payton says, Bears quarterback Justin Fields was right where we want him, in the pocket. Now, to be fair, again, he kind of carved you up from the pocket. So as much as I'd love to say, ha-ha, he made you a pocket passer and then you suck, it's not exactly what happened. But my favorite part, without just, we'll skip all the way to the end, it says, quote, this is from Sean Payton. And I'm telling you, I like Sean Payton. Most people hate him because he's kind of crass. I appreciate it. He says exactly what's on his He does not give a crap. Dude's got FU money. He's basically still retired in his mind. He's here just because he enjoys doing it. You want to fire him? He doesn't give a crap. Here's the quote. I don't want to sugarcoat anything. We're going to play a lot better teams on our schedule. No disrespect to Chicago and Matt, what they're trying to do. And then he goes on to say, I'm sure the feeling is the same for them. <laughs> I just He says no disrespect, but obviously it's, it's disrespectful. Yeah, he did say we want to make sure we were cage rushing him. And uh, he has to beat us in the pocket. We feel like if we kept him there, we were going to get an opportunity. And then he does say, and, and I guess there's some truth to this, certainly that's what happened in the last play where Kareem intercepted it. We had him right where we wanted him, in the pocket. <laughs> Just a smack right in the mouth. He smacked uh, Justin Fields in the mouth, saying if we knew if we could keep him in the pocket, we could make him lose this game because he sucks. Which, again, wasn't necessarily true, but that is how they sealed the game. And then ends it with, listen... I'm, I'm glad that we won and all, but let's not sugarcoat this. This team sucks, and we're going to have to face a lot tougher competition than this piece of trash organization. Oh, so refreshing. Moving on, Baltimore beat Cleveland 28-3. Cleveland just useless at this point. Um, even their defense couldn't hold up. 28 points is a lot to give up. Cleveland's defense has been uh, pretty solid for a while, but that's pretty rough. And then to score three points, I mean, Baltimore's defense is stiff too, but man, that's... That's rough, man. Houston stomped out Pittsburgh 30-6. to Pittsburgh, another one. I mean, there's so many teams that are just like in this absolute spiral, which it is a very interesting time. I mean, it's, it's a very young league. You know, you got, uh, I mean, Cleveland has a new quarterback. That's not really what he was. Houston has a rookie quarterback. Pittsburgh has a second-year quarterback. Everything is kind of new. Everybody kind of sucks, and they're just trying to feel their way through things. But Pittsburgh is just... I could not have been any more wrong about what I said about Pittsburgh. I don't. I haven't been following very closely in terms of what's going on. But man, that quarterback, like I said, he was. The, I think he was the number one quarterback in football in the second half of the season. I thought it was a pretty safe bet that he, he was a guy to keep an eye on. But man, this is brutal. And and Houston's looking good with freaking Stroud over there because thirty points on the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is uh, in the the AFC North. I guess struggled, but still. Pretty impressive stuff with Stroud. And, and a, a, just another smack in the mouth to the Chicago Bears, who, first of all, 
It looks like there is an Ohio State quarterback that's actually going to snap the streak of bad Ohio State quarterbacks, and it's not Fields. That's the first smack in the mouth. The second smack in the mouth is that they had the first overall pick, and they gave it away. The smart thing is they gave it away to Carolina, who's too stupid to pick the right quarterback. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe he's going to be great. I don't know. He's been terrible so far. By the way, Houston is another example of why I don't necessarily buy. You have to be in this great situation to make stuff work. Who does C.J. Stroud has to work with? What, what is he working with that's so elite over there in Houston? The Texans have been one of the worst teams in football. They go out and get a quarterback. He's a good quarterback, and look what happens. 30-6 to against Pittsburgh. I thought you couldn't do that if you didn't have a great offensive line and elite wide receivers and tight ends and everything else. Like, what, 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 what happened to that? Isn't that a thing? C.J. Stroud passed for 306 yards and two touchdowns against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. I mean, I guess we can call Nico Collins elite. Maybe part of his massive jump from 2022 to 2023 is the quarterback, though. I don't know. Aside from that, they have John Mechie, Robert Woods, and Tank Dell. And tight end Dalton Schultz, who has a 54 PFF grade. Their running back is Damian Pierce. And the offensive line has a uh, terrible left tackle and a terrible right tackle in George Fant, who refused to go away. That guy always has a starting job in the NFL, and I don't know why. He's never been good at anything. I'll never understand that. So he has no tackles. Maybe one good wide receiver, no tight ends, no elite running back, no tackles. I may have said that twice. And he seems to be managing. Weird. But I'm not going to crown the guy. He had two good games. Well, I mean, he had three games with two touchdowns in a row. Um, But still, as far as his PFF grades, it's been two. Just saying. I thought this was like impossible to do if you didn't have a good situation. Maybe, Maybe that's not true or something. I don't know. The Rams did beat Indy 29-23. Not sure we learned a ton there. Maybe they won in overtime. Don't know. Don't care. Tampa Bay destroyed the New Orleans Saints, which again isn't the greatest thing because New Orleans scored nine points and gave up 26. And it just makes us look even less impressive with our victory because Tampa Bay is not super great. Philadelphia barely edges out Washington, which kind of continues my belief that maybe Philadelphia isn't quite as good as they were last year. They just don't seem to have as good of a team. They're still probably the second best NFC uh, team behind the 49ers, but it it just it just seems like they're not as dominant as they were last year. 34 points is great, but almost losing to Washington is rough. By the way, Washington scoring 31 points makes me feel confident that the Bears don't have much of a chance. Tennessee obliterated Cincinnati. Cincinnati's another death spiral team. I mean, three points, man. I mean, Joe Burrow right now is one of the worst quarterbacks in football. His injury has just ruined him. They, 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 I, I honestly think they should shut him down. I mean, this is embarrassing, and it's, it's not going to do any good. I don't know exactly what the situation is with his injury, if this is something that it's just this is the way it is, or if it's just a lingering thing. Let him sit down until he's healthy, get it rehabbed, get it fixed, because this is a joke. Why you would parade him out there to potentially further injure him is crazy to me, because this is an embarrassment. The Cincinnati Bengals are freaking done. The Las Vegas Raiders lost to the LA Chargers, which is a positive for us. Chargers not that good of a team. Vegas losing to them. It's a team we need we need to be able to beat. That's for sure. They are one and three under a horrific head coach, Josh McDaniels, who should never have been hired. I don't know why the guy got a job, but he did. Raiders right now are 25th in points, 26th in yards on defense. They're 24th in points to 18th in yards. They have scored 17, 10, 18, and 17, so they have not reached 20 points. They have given up 16, 38, 23, 24. So the last three weeks, they've given up at least 23 points and have never scored more than 18 points. Uh, The only reason they won is because they 
managed to hold Denver week one to 16 points. So um, if the offense can get to 19, we got a shot, assuming our defense doesn't give them more points than they've ever had, ever. They did have rookie quarterback Aiden O'Connell starting. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, was he had gotten a concussion and had not yet cleared. I guess it was a bit of a surprise that he wasn't going to be able to play, but he didn't clear. Um, there is every expectation that he will be able to play, especially with the extra day to uh, clear being on Monday night with the Green Bay Packers. But apparently there's some people that want Aiden Hutchinson to play. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure I fully understand that. It, it may not be much of a debate, but it's some kind of a debate. But uh, Paul Gutierrez of ESPN says a healthy Garoppolo still gives the Raiders the best shot at success. He'll have an extra day to recover from his concussion before the Raiders play next Monday night at home against the Packers. Uh, the end of the article says O'Connell might end up being the starting quarterback down the road for the Raiders, but the time isn't now. He needs more time to develop and get up to speed in the NFL. Look for Garoppolo to be back on the field in week five when the Raiders host the Packers on Monday night. I mean, there's no way a healthy Garoppolo is not going to be playing for a couple reasons. Number one is this little paragraph. O'Connell struggled turning the ball over three times and averaging just 6.1 yards per attempt. However, he did have a few really nice throws at the end of the game that should have fans encouraged. But should he be the starting quarterback moving forward, even if Garoppolo is healthy? I mean, obviously the answer is no. The, The second reason are these comments from head coach Josh McDaniels talking about Aiden O'Connell. He'll be the first one to, you know, understand the things that he could do better. Um, you know, I mean, it, playing quarterback in our league starts with taking care of the football. And, uh, you know, whether that be hanging on to it in the pocket, you know, or, you know, making good decisions in the passing game, um, you know, and also understanding the timing and that element of playing within the pocket in the NFL. You know, it's not... It's not always the same week to week, you know. It depends on the rush, depends on what you, who you're who you're dealing with, and how they play. Um, and you know, the coverage structures force us to do some other things, and then you got to speed up your read a little bit and get to the outlet. And I thought he did better as the game wore on. I mean, dumped the ball down to JJ. I don't know how many times, but a number of times when they were trying to run out of there. So nice. I thought he adapted to the game a little bit as it went on. Um, you know, and we'll just. We'll, we'll take every opportunity to, to learn from the mistakes that we made as a team, and I'm sure he will also as a quarterback and try to get better from it. So he kind of just dunked on uh, Aiden O'Connell there, so I doubt, again, that they would choose to move forward with him. Basically reiterating what everybody else is saying, he's not ready. You know, saying it, it starts with taking care of the football, and he turned the ball over three times. All right, let's take uh, one more quick break, and then we'll just uh, finish up these games real quick. Dallas Cowboys get back on their uh, destructive warpath. Like I said, they're, they're going to give up that one game, and then they're going to... I thought they'd kind of level off a little bit, but apparently they're just going to freaking dominate everybody. 38-3. to I mean, Dallas is such a... They kind of remind me of what the Buffalo Bills have been. They're going to have a great point differential. I mean, like, historically good point differential if they continue doing what they're doing. But they're also not going to win the Super Bowl. Because they're going to have that one game, whether it's the first playoff game, the second playoff game, or in the freaking Super Bowl, I don't know. But they're going to have that game where they just get annihilated. Like they did when they lost to the Arizona Cardinals. So, I mean, they're obviously a talented football team. Scoring 38-3 to is difficult. Beating a team 30-10 to like they did the Giants, or the Jets, is tough. Scoring 40 to nothing like they did against the Giants is crazy. I mean, this is one of the most destructive and... and insanely good performances we've seen through four weeks like ever i don't know if i've ever seen 40 to nothing 30 to 10 and 38 to 3 in a four game stretch in my life 
But again, I don't think it's sustainable. And to be honest, I think they lose to the 49ers. I could be way off on that. I don't know. But I just, I mean, if they beat the 49ers, then we got to talk about them possibly being, I mean, even just number one in, in the NFC right now. But it's in San Francisco, and I just, I, I don't know. I think they're a dangerous, but I mean, in a way, they're kind of like a more high-octane version of what we've seen from the Packers a lot. Just destructive, just all kinds of things, but also a little bit self-destructive. They're going to beat themselves. It's also worth noting, I mean, week one was, was on the road, but then week two, 30 to 10, they were at home. The Cardinals game was on the road when they got beat. Then they were at home again against the Patriots. Then they go on the road against the 49ers, on the road against the Chargers. Home against the Rams are probably going to eviscerate them. Then they're on the road again against Philadelphia. I mean, they're potentially losing two, maybe even three. We'll see what happens on the road against the Chargers of their next four. But it'll be a very telling stretch for Dallas. But I tell you what, um, Mike McCarthy deserves a ton of credit. Dan Quinn deserves a massive amount of credit for what his defense is doing right now, the number one defense in football. And that's that's after their number one corner went on IR. Micah Parsons went out for part of the game. I mean, again, should we do that thing like we did, I think, last night, where we go through and and look at what they have and don't have? Great pass rushers, no interior, mediocre linebackers, horrific safeties. I mean, basically, it's a team that just has, like, the number two and number four pass rushers, and that's pretty much it. I mean, no disrespect to Osa Odigizua, who's who's doing fine, or the 110th-ranked Hankins on the interior. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just saying. He's doing a fantastic job despite the holes, like probably having the worst safeties in football right now. And again, a group of decent but mid-linebackers. 2022 undrafted free agent Marquise Bell, uh, Leighton Vander Esch, who, I mean, had a great rookie season, but aside from that has been just kind of eh. And uh, fifth-round pick Damone Clark, safety Donovan Wilson, sixth-round pick with a 45 PFF grade. Or uh, Jaron Curse with a 52 PFF grade at safety. Number one defense in football, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Quinn, mastermind behind the Legion of Boom, is at it again. Uh, San Francisco 49ers put Arizona back in their place, 35-16. to Christian McCaffrey, four touchdowns. Justin Jefferson, it was four touchdowns, just so we're clear on that. I wonder how many different players had two touchdowns this week. <laughs> Stephon Diggs had three touchdowns. Michael Wilson in Arizona had two, Nico Collins had two, A.J. Brown had two, and Justin Jefferson had two. Kyron Williams, running back, had two, uh, Devin A-Chain had two, David Montgomery had three, and Christian McCaffrey had, uh, again, three rushing and a receiving. And that I, I, there's probably even more because I'm not even looking at total. I've got, you know, Derrick Henry had one rushing. I don't know if he had a receiving also. Probably a few others. Freaking gives a crap, dude. The Chiefs nearly lost to the uh, the New York Jets. Another team that's kind of like, what, you know, are you guys all right? I know you're going to be all right, but you lost to the Lions. And yes, you had a couple people out, but still. You scored 17 against Jacksonville. You only won because your defense held them to nine. That seems a little uncharacteristic. Then you had what looked like a normal Chiefs game, but it was against the Bears. That was 41-10. Then you nearly lost to the Jets. Like, at what point... Are you going to do something that's somewhat impressive? I mean, to be honest, Minnesota Vikings are kind of one of those teams where it's like, I don't know, dude. I mean, it's not the Jets' defense, granted. But if, like, the whole Justin Jefferson, like, if they actually play offense, I don't know. It's hard because I don't know what the Vikings are. They don't seem to be what they're supposed to be either. But if if the Vikings are what they're supposed to be, maybe they can give them a little bit of run for their money. I don't know. 
Chiefs just uh, not necessarily looking as impo- imposing as you would expect. The fact that people are saying, I didn't watch the game, so I don't know. I saw highlights. The fact that some people are saying that he got outplayed. And again, I know the Jets have a stiffer defense, but still. Outplayed by Zach Wilson? I mean, come on, man. In fact, their offense right now, in terms of points, ranks ninth. Their defense ranks fifth. What even is this team? Barely a top 10 offense? And the only reason you are is because you hung 41 on the Bears. If it wasn't for that, you would definitely not be a top 10 offense. Very odd. Oh, and Taylor Swift, apparently. I don't know. I don't know what that means. And then Seahawks, Giants. Um, again, I have no idea why the Giants were expected to do anything. I think they were even favorites in this game, which is why um, I ended up putting... I, I, I very rarely put anything on these bets. I put like a dollar on something if I feel relatively confident. I put five on this, which I know for people that bet, that's nothing, but for me, that doesn't. That's kind of a big deal. It seemed obvious to me the Saints were going to obliterate the Giants. I don't know why that wasn't common knowledge. But the, the Giants are a disaster area, and uh, things are rapidly unraveling for them. Tons of highlights of Brian Dable just uh, skewering the, head co- the quarterback, who seems like he's probably playing his last year, Daniel Jones. I mean, I, he's been one of those guys where it's like, maybe, maybe, maybe. But the last, like, two years or so, it's like, there's, come on, man. Like, he's always been decent, and you thought maybe if you got some wide receivers or, you know, Saquon gets healthy ever, but it's just, it's not a thing, man. So, anyways, that's about it. And then up next, we've got um, Washington and Chicago on Thursday, which I can tell you right now, um, based on the model that I've got, got Washington winning um, relatively close, actually, closer than I would have thought, uh, depending on how you look at it. Caught about a five to six point win. So that's the state of the NFL. <laughs> uh, next week, after uh, Bears Commanders, the Lions play the Panthers. So that's an auto win for them. So the Lions will continue their war path, making it even more important that we win our game. Again, the Bears are likely to lose, but it's not impossible. And kind of fingers crossed they win. Although that brings them dangerously close to passing us, which would be too hard to handle. Vikings play the Chiefs, so I don't expect them to win that game. So if the Bears do win, I mean, the Vikings could be last again, tied with the uh, the Vikings. So for kind of for every reason, I kind of hope the Bears win. They need to win some games. Thursdays can be kind of fluky anyways. And then, and then yeah, tie the, uh, tie the Vikings again. Uh, let's see, Dallas 49ers we talked about, and then Monday we got Packers Raiders. So kind of an important game. We got to try to keep pace with the Lions, who are, again, going to win that game. Biggest concern I have, aside from the fact that Every time we have a long extended break, like going from Thursday to Monday, the Packers don't seem to be the most disciplined team in the world. They're also on the road in Vegas, which, um, if you're not a very disciplined team, could be problematic. But we'll see how it goes. A game that the Packers absolutely should win. No excuses. National audience for the second week in a row. Gotta freaking step up. Offense has to be better. Yes, we have to use Aaron Jones more. Yes, the pass blocking has to be significantly better than it was. And yes, the defense has to effing step up. So hopefully we get some uh, answers on injury reports and whatnot in the near future. But I am going to leave it at that for now. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.